0: Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artists. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today was born in Wilmington, Delaware, and raised in Dayton, Ohio. He attended Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and left with a degree in speech and theater. He spent his entire adult life in the pursuit of perfection through the study of the Asian martial arts and spiritual traditions, living and traveling throughout North America, Japan, Europe, the Arctic, China, Tibet, Nepal, and India. Promoting the benefits of life mastery through martial arts, he travels the world as a teacher, seminar leader, and lecturer, inspiring others by translating his extensive background in martial arts and meditation into practical lessons for handling the pressures and uncertainties of life. He's written several books over the years, appeared in movies, and been in countless martial arts magazines. He's married with two daughters. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Stephen K. Hayes. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing great, Brian. Good to be on the show.
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate your time so much. And What we do with all my guests, I want to jump into it and go to the very beginning. I want to know what what led to that interest where did that first spark about martial arts come from
1: well you know i was a little child i mean it was back in the 50s Mm -hmm. 1950s you know i saw other kids kind of abused or or bullied i mean not any real heavy physical stuff but just picked on and i didn't like that and of course i was like five six i didn't know what Mm -hmm. to do about it And who knows? Nowadays, maybe it was just kids teasing somebody else, uh, but it seemed unfair to me. And I uh, made up my mind, I've got to learn how to do something. Uh, We didn't come from a fighter family or anything like that. So that was where my first awareness of Asian uh, martial arts was awakened.
0: Okay. Very, very young age. So in where you grew up now, was there martial arts schools? Did you know anything about it, or kind of where did that yeah, lead you?
1: Nothing, you know, <laughs> there was nothing back in the 50s. And uh, I saw a uh, Lassie TV show. I don't know if any listeners remember yeah. the Lassie TV show. Oh, yeah, and uh, you know, and on this one episode, there was a uh, Japanese exchange student who came from Japan over to you know the farmland where glassy mm-hmm. was and i mean this is amazing this is 1955 this is only like 10 years after the second world war and uh so this little kid comes over and these bullies are picking on him and you know he's small but he uses this jujitsu and karate to mm-hmm. defend himself and i saw this on tv i was just electrified uh Wow, that was my first (laughs) exposure to uh, Asian martial arts. And uh, I was determined. I was determined I was going to learn. And, you know, it took me like 10 years of knocking around trying to find a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a teenager before I actually got started. Uh, And, uh, but that's how determined I was. I was going to learn the martial arts Mm -hmm. and uh you know and also in the same episode i still remember the father of the bully kid that Mm -hmm. this japanese kid whipped you know he's wants revenge against lassie's family and so (laughs) he goes and tries to burn down their barn and they interrupt him and lassie bites him on the arm (laughs) yeah and so oh yeah he's his arms torn up and this little japanese kid Runs back to his luggage and comes back with some kind of a healing salve. And, oh, man, you mean you can fight people or you can heal people based on how they respond to you? Oh, this is just too much for my little (laughs) five-year-old spirit. Uh, That's awesome. I was was determined. I'm going to learn. I
0: need to find that episode. I mean, I loved Lassie as a kid watching reruns, but I do not remember that episode. Now I'm determined to go find it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was like
1: 1955 or okay. 56, I think. Yeah, yeah
0: that's really. And I, you know, a lot of people nowadays, if you, you see that, it's like, all right, I'm going to Google what kind of martial art was done on this episode of Lassie. Now you can't. You know, <laughs> back then it's like, where do I learn this? I mean, did you did you try going to a library at all, or what? You know,
1: did you even you know, know? Did I, you even
0: know what it was called at the time?
1: I did. I okay. went to the library now i was like maybe uh 10 years old mm-hmm. i went to the library and uh i found a reference you know and now you know this is way pre-digital everything mm-hmm. was analog you yeah. know? they had these little cards in a drawer and there were a couple of martial art books and but i couldn't find them and i went and i asked the person behind the counter i said hey how do i find these books and they said they looked at them and then they said well these are not available to just anyone I was, Oh, really you know no these uh, you know like they contain dangerous things and <laughs> and they, they they were in the librarian's office on wow. a uh, special shelf <laughs> and i couldn't check them out my mom had to come and check them out for me as an really? adult, uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wow. he's got the, like the death touch in there or something, you know, and, That's uh, awesome. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And I tried to teach myself from little pictures. I got a couple of buddies and we, we went out in the backyard, trying to teach ourselves judo, you know, uh, okay. through a book and, uh, <laughs> That's good.
0: So then what led to your first actual instruction how, what about what, what, what you said a teenager so what age and, and how did you find that
1: Well I was a uh, freshman in Miami University in Oxford Ohio Oh not till college and, okay Yeah uh, yeah and the navy this was back in the Vietnam War age mm-hmm. uh, 1967 and the Navy had an ROTC program, and this commander, Navy commander, had been in Korea and was teaching the Navy midshipman uh, this Tang Sudo. And, uh, oh, man, I, I got to get in there. Well, I wasn't in the Navy, and uh, I really had to finagle my way into this Navy program. But I was able, my roommate was in the Navy, and he was able to sneak me in, and, So I started in this Tang Soo Do and uh, did that for several years while at Miami university and God, I just ate it up. I loved it. It was so cool to finally be doing a martial art. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I didn't know, you know, a whole lot about Mm -hmm. all that was available out there. Uh, This was a Korean karate. You know that from your study. And uh, I did Tang Soo Do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, You know, it was very linear, linear and overpower a person punching and punch back with more power. And, you know, as a 17 year old kid, this was like right up my alley. And, uh, uh, so I did that for several, several years. So
0: what rank did you get to in that? And what are, what are some things you remember about that first instructor?
1: Well, they were all military. Okay. So, you know, much sarcasm and, (laughs) uh, um, you know, these days in karate schools, jujitsu schools, you know, there's a tendency to be more encouraging mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, salute a victory that a student makes. Oh, man, back in those days, nothing like that. You know, we were like snickered at and made fun of and uh, <laughs> you know, I don't remember you know we're all there in our white belts and mm-hmm. this guy says all right look to your left and we all look to our left look to your right and uh you know within six months almost nobody is gonna be there you know uh, <laughs> it was like <laughs> just very military you know we all moved in lines mm-hmm. we moved in lines we all stepped forward for- with the right foot and we push our left hand out Oh, you know this is just mm-hmm. kind of funny nice. and uh, later i uh finally made it my mind to go to japan you mm-hmm. know um i you know this back in the 70s there was no mma there was no right like mixing of the martial arts you studied judo where you learned how to throw people or you studied karate where you learned how to punch them or you studied aikido or kendo Mm -hmm. but nobody had ever heard of something like this ninjutsu that i went to japan to study and when i got there i found out well it's so old that it predated the uh, separation of the martial arts so around the time of our civil war in Mm -hmm. the u.s they had a major civil war in japan and uh they brought in all these western clothes and western ideals and western inventions in the late 1800s and uh so we had guns and cannons and uh tanks or well, not tanks but mobile uh artillery and uh so the martial arts were just cast aside we don't need sword and this kind of stuff anymore right. and some of the teachers converted it into a uh, like a personal development thing how to move with a warrior bearing how to uh, be a protector uh, how to have some dignity uh, in your days and uh, they separated it so karate was striking and jujitsu was uh, grappling and so forth what i got into in the ninja training it was so old it involved grappling and striking and kicking and choking and swords and long staff and short knife and throwing blades. Oh I was just amazed, you know, I, I was so fascinated by all of this taught in one school. And uh so I did that for the nineteen seventies and uh you know, it really uh I loved my Tang Sudo, mm-hmm. but Once I studied the ninja art, I realized, oh, you know, my uh, Tang Sudo was uh, a limited art. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't have grappling and it didn't have weapons and so forth. Uh, And uh, so that's something I really kind of came alive in that dojo in Japan.
0: Well, I definitely want to get to what, what brought you over there in the first place, but two quick questions about when you were still in tung Sido. First of all, at any time when you were in tung Sido, did, did you start teaching at that time? Because I know teaching something that became part of what you do. Did you start teaching when you were in Tung-Sidolo? And then did you get involved in any type of competition at that time? Was that something that your group did through the college?
1: Oh, you know, back in the sixties, there was not anywhere near the tournament circuit, you know, like later years, we just had intercollegiate matches and, uh, you know, I won a few and came in second in a few, but, uh, you know, there were not that, I mean, I think like Henry Cho had a championship in yep. New York and, uh, but, uh, we didn't go to anything like that. Okay. And, uh, I do remember one time I had this little piece of bamboo and, uh, I taped up the ends and, uh, you know, I just brought it. I think I was a, yeah, I was a black belt by then. I was a black belt. And, uh, Teaching a class, and uh, I was like going to hit somebody with this bamboo, and they were going to do a Tang Pseudo block and mm-hmm. counter. It. Oh, my goodness. There was a Korean grad student who was teaching at our club. Oh, ho. Man, did he not like that? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, golly! I got in big trouble, you know. Oh, this is not thug, you know, fighting. Uh, this is a uh, you know, gentleman martial art. And uh, wow, Woo, okay, okay. okay. Interesting. <laughs> Later in Japan, <laughs> no, that stick was a real important part of the training. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're training in a traditional Korean style. You know, there's no internet back then to do research, so first of all, how did you even think of going to Japan and learning a different style? Where, where were you first introduced to it and where'd that idea come from?
1: Well, you know, when I was in high school, I read this James Bond novel called Ah, you only live twice. This is before James Bond movies were out. They were just the novels and uh, James Bond is sent to Japan and uh, there's an enemy there. And uh, in the book, it said he studied the ninja of the Togakure and the iga yeah. and uh oh man that was just electrifying to me you know and it said they used a small stick and a chain and uh oh gosh i'm just eating this up and uh james bond marries he's given a japanese beautiful japanese girl from a seacoast village in kyushu island uh, to marry to as part of his cover and oh, yeah, this is just like too much for a boring little 15-year-old kid from (laughs) (laughs) Ohio. uh, So I put that aside and uh, eventually found this Tangsudo at Miami. And then uh, there were some articles in Black Belt Magazine about these guys doing ninjutsu in Japan. And I, finally in my 20s, I just couldn't stand it anymore. I've got to go. I've got to find these people I've got to make this a part of my life. So (laughs) pre-internet, uh, pre-email, I just bought a ticket to Japan. I just got on a plane and went to Japan and, uh, hoped I could, I mean, this is just insane. Isn't it it crazy? But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did that and I was able to travel around and find actually find this teacher that was featured in the Black Belt uh magazine article. And uh I got accepted at this school, uh, which was a tiny little fifteen man training group in the grandmaster's house. He just used a room in his house as the dojo and uh I was the only foreign guy there and uh you know i expected to find something like the kodokan of judo there you know mm-hmm. lots maybe a bunch of americans who could help me learn this you know they'd done all the translating and that was not it i was uh like totally on my own there
0: now did you speak any japanese at all before then
1: i did oh. when i was in college i had taken uh some uh Japanese classes. Okay. So I spoke a little bit of Japanese and then uh, again this is back before there were even cassette tapes. <laughs> so I I had records. Nice. <laughs> that, that you learn to speak Japanese, uh you know, <laughs> and the record would be Ohio Gozimas. Yeah, and you just wow. repeat this stuff and uh so I had a rudimentary ability in Japanese when I went over there. Okay.
0: First of all, was it hard to get accepted? And then once you got in, what was some of the training? like? Did they treat you differently because you were an American? Was it harder for you? Do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they did treat me differently. So I arrived in this little soy sauce brewing town, Northeast of Tokyo in the evening. And, uh, just, Got a room at an inn, it'd be like a bed and breakfast today, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really funny because the innkeeper, the little old lady, you know, she said, Why foreigners don't come here? You know, why are you here? And I said, Oh, I've come to learn ninjutsu. And uh, you know, she was shocked, you know, ninjutsu <laughs> you know <laughs> in Noda City. Uh, you know, I said, Yeah, you know, there's a, a guy named Hatsumi. Uh, who is a ninja master. And she says, Hatsumi Masaki." I said, yeah, that's him. And He said, no, 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 no. He's not a ninja. He's a physical therapist. And I had read in the book, in the magazine, that's what he did for a living, you know? so Hey, that's the guy. That's the guy. And, she said, "No, no, no." She said, uh, "I am Mr. Hatsumi's mother's childhood friend. I've known him, I've known him ever, ever since he was a little child. Uh, he, he's not a ninja." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said, and I said, "Oh, I insisted. No, no, he was secretly trained and eager." She just cracked up. You know, she <laughs> says, do you, want, "Do you want me to call him for you?" well yeah (laughs) i mean it didn't even dawn on me i couldn't even look up his name in a phone book Mm -hmm. i I could speak japanese but you know the written characters and uh uh, i could have walked right by his place and seen his sign and not be able to read it and uh, so she called and he came over right away he came over right away you know and uh He said, well, you can start tomorrow with uh, this guy here. There was a young guy about my age with him. uh, Really? Because I had heard, you know, to get into Japanese traditional dojos, Mm -hmm. oh, man, you needed letters and you maybe had to watch for a while while they check you out. And, oh, no, you can just start tomorrow. And uh, so I went to this guy's farm and we practiced out in the rice fields. And uh, oh, it was You know, and here's a funny part of the story. Mm -hmm. Years later, my wife, she's Japanese, she does this martial art with me. She was talking with one of the original guys. I call them the seniors, but, you know, we're all about the same age. And uh, this guy was a a Japanese military officer. And she said, oh, yeah, Stephen was so honored, you know, uh, that you guys accepted him right away and just started training. This guy kind of looks at her with a cocked head and goes, oh, is that what he thought happened? <laughs> <laughs> and She goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What is this? What? what? And he goes, well, you know, um, in our generation, Stephen's a pretty big guy. And so the headmaster said, hey, we got this big guy. We can try out all our techniques on him. <laughs> And, you know, in about four or five days, he'll think we're crazy and he'll go away and we can go back to training. I, I didn't know that, you know, wow, the training awesome. was, was brutal. It was brutal, but amazing, you know, the stuff I was learning. So I just never left. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: They <laughs> just wanted to beat up a big American.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the training dummy. I was that's the great. training dummy. And, uh, <laughs> so how long yeah, did you stay there then? Yeah, well, yeah, I stayed there for a summer and, th- but I was on a tourist visa mm-hmm. and so I had to leave. So I came back to America got a special a really beautiful visa it was like a cultural i think it was called visa it was so unusual that the japanese customs guy he'd never seen one of these before and uh, back in those days you needed a visa to go into japan mm-hmm. and so i stayed through uh, uh fall of 1980 okay. and uh, yeah so during that time i uh i met my wife and uh uh, did this training and, you know, much like your career, mm-hmm. in a voiceover. I was a voiceover guy. Oh, really? Oh,
0: I suppose translating and stuff.
1: Huh? Uh, not so much translating, no? but, you know, there were several companies that now this is back in the analog day, no mm-hmm. nothing digital. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they would have a new product, they would get me to read the script and they would send, you know, slides out to all the dealers around uh, the world and Nice. You know, so I would get on there, yes, welcome to Canons TRX seven thirty-six. Destined to become uh, you know, I would just do this thing and, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> and then I did uh some movie and TV work also, mm-hmm. which was fabulous because I was way overpaid and uh I could spend days like going around to different castles and checking out other martial arts schools and uh so I had a, I really had a great life in Japan.
0: So what led to the, the first, the first movie kind of, is that something you like when looking for? did they approach you and say, Hey, you want to be in a movie?
1: Well, I had a friend, uh, an American woman who was married to a Japanese guy who had worked in the U S for MGM and he decided to start a talent agency. So, <laughs> so she says to me, you know, can I ask a favor of you? Could, could like Jun, He was a picture of you. He's putting together a book of people he represents. She says, you wouldn't have to act in anything, but, you know, your face would be in there. And uh, (laughs) she had no idea that, no, I'd love to act. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, So I had an agent in Japan and, uh, oh, I, I played a cowboy in one movie and I was a doctor. I mean, most Americans. Yeah would only know i was in the shogun miniseries yes and uh that would be about the only one that americans would have seen and uh you know so in shogun i worked with them for about a month and a half i was a stunt guy in the opening scenes where this there's a shipwreck uh richard chamberlain's crew and uh, then i did a stunt doubling for john reese davies nice who uh played the Portuguese navigator. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, just part of my, uh, professional life in Japan.
0: You got to put your degree to use.
1: (laughs) I sure did. I sure did. Your speech
0: speech degree and your (laughs) theater. That's kind of cool. Nice. That's awesome. So then now now you, you obviously went back to continue over the years. You came home, you went back, you came, but you also lived in many other places. So like, where did you go after Japan? What was next?
1: Well, I came back to the States okay. and, uh, I, uh, you know, had my, uh, Japanese wife with me and I thought, you know, this is 40 some years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I was young and thought I was good looking and had a voice and had a martial art that nobody else had studied. And I had some acting background and, uh, I Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the movies. So I, I moved to Southern California and, uh, tried to uh, get something going in the movies, which obviously never worked. And, uh, so I lived in Southern California for quite a while. And, uh, you know, at that time I had written some books for black belt magazine. They used to have a book publishing company Mm -hmm. and, uh, those books sold by the thousands. I mean, it was just, even black belt was stunned there was so much interest in this ninja martial art in the early '80s, so I didn't even have a job. I didn't have a job. I lived totally off of these book royalties, and I did some seminars. Uh, so I had plenty of time to devote to, uh, you know, trying to get something going in uh, Southern California. Uh, so you know, it was just a really fortunate, you know, that I had these books. That sold like uh sold like crazy,
0: so what led to the first book did, did they approach you or was that your your idea to write a, write the first book?
1: no, I approached them okay. um and you know i I knew I had a writing ability and I had a martial art that no one had ever experienced before in the west so uh I went and uh pitched this at uh black belt magazine and uh <laughs> You know, it's really funny because they gave me this contract. It it was, you know, they they were very interested in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'd been on the cover of a couple of magazines and Mm -hmm. those things had been staged so beautifully, you know, that people just were electrified by this ninja, you know, martial art, and ninja guy. And so uh, I uh, knocked out the first book and uh, I made it kind of uh, a look at some of the what we call esoteric spiritual principles behind the techniques. So I described this way that different kind of people respond to conflict and confrontation based on their personality and uh, nobody had written about anything like that before. And uh, then I illustrated it with some techniques from the uh, art and it's a very pragmatic, you know, there's nothing, you know, showy or, uh, exciting really you know uh it's very pragmatic and uh, there's no competition in there because it's an old style martial art so i just picked up all the positive aspects and put it in that book and it sold like crazy uh, nice. i think i did like four books in like two and a half years uh they just kept demanding <laughs> they just kept demanding more and more books. You know, it's a funny thing because the owner in those days of Black Belt magazine, I never met him. Um really? Yeah, his name was Mito Uehara, and he lived in Hawaii. And I was told by the people at Black Belt, Oh, Mito hates ninjutsu. <laughs> I said, Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, he was an Aikido guy. Uh-huh. Oh, he hates ninjutsu. I was oh really, but I'm on the cover of all these magazines and I got all these books and he hates ninjutsu and they said well ninjutsu pays enormously well <laughs> <laughs> we're selling magazines like crazy and books and uh, so oh okay uh, a pragmatist this mito is here huh? <laughs> Definitely. That's,
0: that's kind of awesome so in training with hatsumi so obviously he was very traditional and japanese and stuff and what do you think it was about your relationship? I mean, you obviously became basically one of his top protégés. What do you, what, what do you think led for him to accept you like that and take you under his wing? And was it just your, your dedication? Was, I mean, was there other ones that were you know, kind of on the same level as you or were you kind of with him longer than anybody?
1: Well, you know, that's a interesting question. And even after 40 some years, I don't really have an answer. <laughs>
0: really? um, okay.
1: You know, he, uh, Oh, I think they charged, you know, like 5,000 yen a month for training. which was like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, back in the seventies, but he would never let me pay. And, uh, not all the Japanese guys there liked me. There okay. were some people that did not think this headmaster should be teaching a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I just did my best to avoid those guys. And, uh, a lot of people did like me and, uh, some of these guys were saying, you know, well, Stephen, Hayes, he never pays. And <laughs> supposedly this, uh, Hatsumi said to them, uh, he may pay us back in a different way. He never charged me. Wow. And of course, as the years went by, he went from a 15 member room in his house to thousands, thousands of followers, all because of those books that I wrote. Yep. And, uh, So I wonder, you know, did he know, (laughs) did he know that I was like a marketing genius and, (laughs) uh, you know, I could make him a uh, make him a god in the martial arts? And uh, that's what that's what I did. That's what I did. And uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. But still a mystery to me at, at, at this point. How did he know that? How did he know that?
0: So what now being part of it and this being part of your life, what were your thoughts on the, like the whole ninja craze of the eighties and all the movies and TV shows? And there was even Ninja magazine for a while that was competing with black belt magazine. Kind of, you know, I remember as a fourth grader, I could go into a local sporting goods store by throwing stars. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of weird. It was really weird because the, the truth is I was the only guy in North America trained in Japan by the headmaster of the ninja, but mm-hmm. there was this, like, movies and you know, TV shows and you know, toys and action figures and all this kind of stuff that was just captivated people, you know, people would write to me and they'd say, oh, you know, I got a ninja suit and I'll sneak around in my backyard and, uh, <laughs> under the moon and uh, <laughs> you know, I'd, wow, go for it, uh, you know, And uh, but none of that really touched the real essence of what ninjutsu was truly about the movies used karate guys Mm -hmm. and they just did karate techniques faster and meaner Mm -hmm. no 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 no, that's not ninjutsu at all there's a very unique way of moving that uh just was never captured on any of the ninja movies or uh, you know they would use standard hollywood stuntmen and uh uh, used some karate guys as stars and uh, so nobody had ever seen the real ninjutsu and then uh, you know there's one time i remember uh, my daughter she's pushing 40 now but you know she was like six and my wife and i and she we were in a toys r us store and <laughs> we're walking around looking for something i don't know and our daughter was missing and oh where's reina you know so we Walked around the corner and she's standing there looking at, you know, up to the ceiling, you know, it just goes on forever. These action figures, action figures, they call them. They're like dolls for little boys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And she says to me with a straight face, six years old, she says, Dad, when you came back from Japan, I think you should have gone into the toy business (laughs) instead of the teaching business. (laughs) Here I am getting career advice, you know, for my (laughs) my tiny daughter. And she was right. She was right. Yeah. I mean, people made a fortune with all these ninja movies and ninja toys and Halloween ninja suits and, uh, Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Uh, About a year ago, well, maybe two years ago, uh, I worked at a deal with Century Martial Arts Mm. where, you know, so many decades of these funky Halloween ninja suits. I said, well, I'll design a real ninja suit for you and you guys can sell it. And uh, they took me up on it, you know, so I'm only 40 years late (laughs) That's cool. I don't know what people do with that. You know, I mean, do they wear? You can't wear it to Taekwondo class or
0: (laughs) judo class. (laughs) uh,
1: uh, But uh, they're selling this authentic ninja suit, Stephen Hayes Ninja Suit through Century.
0: That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, Michael Michael Dillard was actually on the show last year. So,
1: oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's cool. Yeah, I like Mike. I like Mike. He's uh, he has had quite a uh, amazing life. You know, yeah, amazing life.
0: So then I, yeah. I, I got to ask you, what, what were your thoughts or did you even watch the movie American Ninja?
1: You know, I think I saw a part of it, Okay, but you know, it was just, it was nothing like real ninjutsu. Right. I mean, nobody had an idea what real ninjutsu was, so oh some you know he's like traps a guy with a hose or uh, <laughs> you know uh, it's just i i don't i can't describe it it just had nothing to do with real ninjutsu but a lot of people oh american ninja you know that <laughs> uh, that's how i got my start <laughs> oh, i was gonna really? say, did so
0: did that help you i mean did you know when that when the movies came well, out did that lead students I, to you
1: i think it may have mm-hmm. you know just the word ninja and by then i had my books were out and uh You know i'd been on the cover of like black belt twice a year and uh i'm uh you know i'm a fairly eloquent person so the uh the way that i wrote and the way i was interviewed you know emphasized the things that people i thought people were really looking for in the martial arts and couldn't find anywhere and uh that was this whole mental realm understanding how people can push your buttons and all of a sudden you're angry and uh do i fight this guy or you know all those things nobody ever talked about that in the martial arts all i studied with i would study with some champions whoa 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 whoa, champion you get in the ring and you're across from another guy who's agreed to be in the ring with you Mm -hmm. and you're going to observe certain rules and uh you know, whoever's the better athlete, or who has the better willpower, or uh, is going to win. Uh, I was always more interested in that terrifying uh, reality of uh, what happens in the streets. Right. Some guy starts talking. Hey, is this a yapper or is this a slapper? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He knows, but I don't know. You know, is it a guy who's going to just try to humiliate me to show off in front of his girl or is he going to try to rob me or is he going to, you know, I mean, pull out a gun and kill me? I have no idea. How do I bridge those first few moments of a conflict? Uh, How do I stay centered? How do I stay observant? You know, because on the street these days, nowadays in 2020s. It's not one-on-one, you know, it's like five or six on one Yep. and, uh, and, and nobody sees anything wrong with that. You know, that's not cowardly. It's just the way we do it now, you know? And, uh, so a guy who's doing all the talking and gesturing, he may not be the problem. Right. It's his two cousins behind you coming up, but nobody had talked about any of this kind of stuff, uh, in my martial art training. Mm-hmm. and uh and youtube's another phenomena you can go on youtube and spend hours watching actual fights uh real fights how people really struggle in the streets and you know, back in my Sudo days in the '60s, nobody knew what happened in a real fight. You know, I mean, a couple guys would say, "Well, I've been in a real fight, and this happened," and you know, "Well, do I believe you or not?" Uh, right. And uh, but now, no, you can see for yourself. You can see for yourself what works, what doesn't work, how people get triggered, and you know, they just lose their composure and uh, either go into a rage or freeze. You can see all of that now on YouTube and. Uh, You know, that's a lot of what I have been writing about in my recent books, you know, how to prepare to survive and go home happy and healthy. You know, that's it. Go home happy and healthy. That's become kind of my uh, thing that I really emphasize. You know, other folks are competitors and, oh, that's cool. You know, Mm -hmm. other folks learn how ancient monks in China used to do exercise. Oh, that's really cool. You know, um. other people do physical culture kind of exercise. Oh, that's cool. But I really am concentrating on, you know, how does a person go home? How do you live with that? Uh, how do you uh, not end up arrested? You know, the cops show up and you're standing over somebody bleeding on the sidewalk. Who are the cops going to arrest? Right. <laughs> you know? would, no, I'm the good guy. I'm, I'm the good guy. Yeah, yeah. Just get in the car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I say the dirtbags always get good lawyers. And uh, I have read of cases where the defender is actually punished more than the uh, instigator of the fight, you know, with the, well, you went too far. You went too far. Uh, You should, you know, once he was on the ground, you should have stopped. Wait a minute! I don't know that this guy's done. He's on the ground. Is he going to get back up? If I back off, uh, none of that reaches a judge's ear. Uh, that, but we have to live with that. We have to, uh, you know, that that's our culture now. That's our laws now. How do we teach people how to uh, navigate such a uh, kind of crazy system? And so that's what I teach now. Uh, I studied historical ninja fighting like mm-hmm. how japanese people in the 1500s fought each other and i did that for oh gosh uh 20 years and then in the mid 90s i made a decision to update this we're going to leave the principles the same the principles of how you unbalance somebody the principles of how you dodge a punch but we're going to change the attacks to make them more what an American would experience, and that brings in a whole bunch of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of fights start with verbal stuff. You know, somebody's giving you a hard time, and they're using that to get close to you. And oh god, your brain scrambling around trying to think of a cool response. And while you're distracted, he'll hit you with a haymaker. Uh, um, all that stuff. Nothing like that was studied in Japan. You know, I was studying a 1500s thing where. Every encounter, every encounter was uh, kill or be killed. Uh, there was no 911 to call. There were no courtrooms or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but that didn't work, you know, for modern self-defense. That doesn't work. You can't just kill a person. And not to mention, you know, uh, a moral stand or, uh, that a person would have. Uh, yeah, so all of that uh, went into what we call toshindo. To is like... I took the nin character, there's a written Japanese character, nin, and I took it apart. The top part means sword or blade, and the bottom part is heart or heart and mind. Okay. So that's toshin, toshindo. You know, because I didn't really think I should call it ninjutsu because that was the old art. But yeah, so I've been going by the name toshindo, oh gosh, since the mid-90s now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think for my research of 97, when you founded that art.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but you know, it's a real challenge. It's a Mm -hmm. real challenge because laws change and techniques. I mean, everybody's seen a little MMA now, so even, yeah, everybody's going to throw stuff and everybody's taking a little Brazilian jujitsu. So they're going to try to, you know, wiggle you onto the ground and, uh, uh, none of that existed in the eighties or nineties, you know, uh, it was, a so Toshindo has to keep evolving to, uh, you know, stay current and stay valid, uh, as a self-defense martial art.
0: So do you have under your style then Toshindo, do you have certified instructors that have schools in other areas or? Yeah, um, I do.
1: It's not a big, group it's, right you know somewhere in the teens of schools
0: but if someone wants to you know seek it out they hopefully can find a way to do it
1: yeah my i've got a website mm-hmm. people could visit it's just my name spelled out stephenkhayes.com you know s-t-e-p-h-e-n-k-h-a-y-e-s.com and uh, you know there's a link to uh, some of the schools and uh you know there's an email if people wanted to email me there's an email address last year i sold my own personal school here in ohio Oh, okay uh yeah to the man who really ran it for me for years and uh so i tell everybody i'm retired <laughs> but uh <laughs> But, you know, I still I have a dojo built into my house and uh, I do uh, zooms and uh, small seminars for maybe like 16 people here at the house dojo. and, uh, And, you know, a lot of time, you know, it's really funny. A lot of times the zooms and the phone calls that people do with me aren't even physical. You know, people just asking questions about history or about life or you know how you take a uh, asian martial art and make it come to life in american you know reality uh, sometimes i just sit down on a chair and talk to the nice. talk to the people <laughs>
0: so thinking back to when you were a black belt in tongues today when you first started teaching to now what do you think most changed about your teaching style
1: well i think probably in my early years i was You know, as a teenager, and I was very dedicated to teaching the art in, uh, you know, like its own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the students were there to study this art. And so I really paid a lot of attention to the art. And in my later years, I totally reversed that. I paid way more attention to the student than I do the art. Now, what does this person want to get out of this? Uh, And that changes, you know, as uh, months become years. People's motivation change and I've got to keep up with that. So I would say the biggest difference is, yeah, I pay a whole lot more attention to the student uh, than I do to the, uh, to the art.
0: Okay. What advice would you give someone who's thinking of getting involved in martial arts for the first time? They know nothing about it and they're just kind of wondering, you know, hey, wh- what should I look for? Maybe some things, wh- what should I avoid? What are some tips you'd give them?
1: Probably number one, I would say when you visit the school, this is a place you're going to spend a lot of time in. Is it inspirational? I visited some martial arts schools and, you know, uh, (laughs) white painted walls and a pile of targets in the corner. And I say, it looks like a men's room without urinals. Uh, (laughs) geez. I mean, come on, put some color in here. Uh, you know, and a lot of the you know people, are, are you inspired? And then secondly, the teacher and the assistant teachers, how do they talk? Do they talk with uh, some kind of grace and uh, an intelligence? Probably I would say, You know, don't tell the teacher this, but you make a note of how many questions the teacher asks of you as opposed to how much stuff he tells you about his martial arts. <laughs> because okay. that'll give you a real good idea of where he's coming from you know somebody walks in hey i want to study martial arts oh cool why do you want to study martial arts <laughs> oh well because of this is a, how did you happen to choose our place oh because this is a, uh do you know anything about our particular martial art well uh, hey uh do you know anybody else who's doing martial arts uh, you know i mean just ask a lot of questions i would ask right. them uh, or is it well you know we're the hall you know, of champions and we got uh, the winners and we're doing this and we're better <laughs> than that place down the street where they're just wussies and uh you know we teach the real <laughs> deal oh shut up <laughs> you know just walk away from an idiot like that and uh uh the other thing i would the third thing i would suggest would be uh this is a discipline. You're not gonna learn something in class and oh, I've got that. I've got that now. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I took a class in Japanese and they say, okay, Ohio gazaimas, I say Ohio gazai That means good morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, got that. I've got that now. Yeah. No, martial <laughs> arts, you're gonna train over and over and there'll be days when you don't think you learned anything, but you really did. And and are you prepared. For this as a discipline where you're going to have to work at it to get it, you have to work at it. It's not a, you know, a giveaway. Uh, it's not a thing that you do just for fun. Hey, right. let's do this for fun. You know, you might, uh, no, no, it's, uh, are, are you ready to enjoy the discipline, enjoy Oh, even the down days, oh, man, I, I sometimes I'll ask students, hey, have they ever had a bad day in the martial arts school? You know, people look at each other. Is it OK to say this? <laughs> then they'll raise their hands. And I say, hey, my hand goes up, too. You know, uh, and, and funny thing is, I remember some of those days where I was not happy. Yep. I learned the most. Uh, you know, this is not a thing that we're just going to do for fun. I'm practicing How to become a better human being, a more enlightened human being, a happier human being, uh, one who's more in control of his world, uh, more understanding of where, you know, aggression comes from and how to work with that. Uh, I'm changing as a human being. And, you know, the excitement of that uh, is the flip side of the discipline. I, you know, as far as styles or anything like that goes, you know, there are beautiful jujitsu teachers and they're real jerks who teach jujitsu and Mm -hmm. they're beautiful Kung Fu teachers and they're jerks that teach Kung Fu. I, I, I really can't say, oh, this style is the one you need. Uh, Check out the teacher.
0: It's great advice. Great advice. So, (laughs) so now what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan at all?
1: Oh, I am just because, you know, it's a, a realistic, I mean, I understand, I understand yeah. there are all kinds of rules, you know, you know, you can't kick a guy if he's got both of his hands on the canvas and you can't knee him on the back of the head. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's not, no holds barred. Right. It's, it's got its own set of rules. And, uh, and uh, it doesn't really relate to what I teach because it's a, it's a contest. Yeah, you know, it's a sport. Guys strategically, you know, position himself. One guy will throw a bunch of attacks, and the other guy will just back out of there furiously. And then he'll stalk around. He'll throw a bunch of attacks, and the other guy will back out of there. Uh, and then maybe somewhere in there, they catch a leg and take them down. That's not what I teach. Right. Um, what I teach is uh, an aggressive, angry... You know, denizen of hell. You know, is going <laughs> after you, and when they put their hand in, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do like two things and back off. They're just gonna keep coming at you, and uh, you know, so I, it's nothing like what I teach. But I, you know, I think there's a, a value to it. One of the things I regret about MMA is that. It's a multi-billion dollar entertainment phenomenon now. You know, I mean, yeah. it is multi-billion. And, you know, to get people to buy tickets, uh, a lot of the characters, it's like when I was growing up, there was pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, we all took that real seriously. And, you know, this guy would come out, man, I'm gonna take your arm off and shove it down your throat. <laughs> and, you know, and then. After the match, you know, these guys go out for beers together, and, uh, <laughs> yep. you know. So there's all this trash talk with MMA and, you know, people throwing bottles of water out into the crowd and calling them a mother Slugger You know, right. but, uh, <laughs> 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 calling <okay>. them names. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, I kind of lament that, you yeah. know, I think there are a lot of young people that uh, they think that's what martial arts is. They think that's what it's all about. And uh, who's the baddest, who's the crudest, who's the most confident? Uh, you know, this guy struts around. Hey, I, any man I, I can take him, and <laughs> any woman I want, I get her. And uh, hey, this looks like power to a mediocre little 20 year old guy, you know, who's just trying to figure life out. That yep. looks like power. And uh, oh gosh, it is so wrong. You know, it's so wrong. So I, I do lament the amount of trash talk and bluff and huff and uh that does go along with the mma
0: so did they in the in the early heydays did they ever try to get you to compete when they no, were, no no okay
1: <laughs> no. i wasn't sure
0: i know they reached out to a lot of a lot of people back then to try to get them to come on those first few episodes so
1: no i mean everybody looked at me and what i'm saying is uh you know, because I got my start before there was MMA, right. so people couldn't figure me out. You know, they said, well, if I came in with this hit here, I'd turn my shoulder into it duck under and grab your leg and lift up and whoa, whoa, what you <laughs> uh, no i'm punching you yeah well i'm grappling with you uh, well, uh, you know and uh you know if i got your car and had you pulled over and i got my buddies with me well, I, I get my knife out what knife <laughs> knife yeah yeah uh, i mean i've got to go home happy and healthy and uh, you've got that advantage over me so uh, oh god you're crazy huh okay <laughs> 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 so nobody ever tried to get me to compete. <laughs> nice. Okay.
0: Okay. So who are some names? It doesn't have to be four, but who are some names, three, four, five, that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Just people that you, whether they're people you trained with people, you just admire, you know, who are some names you'd put up there?
1: You know, people that I respect, uh, you know, uh, there's so many that, uh, are wonderful role models, but probably I, I, respect the founder of aikido i don't do aikido Mm -hmm. but this guy has such a fascinating life and uh i like how he was a real battler when he was young and uh had some experience in his late 50s where he just saw everything in a different light what he was doing and what people needed and uh, uh founded this aikido as a way of uh harmonizing uh with attackers as opposed to just clobbering them and defeating them and uh, you know so his life story is kind of fascinating to me definitely and uh you know i think uh you know probably this my teacher's teacher i never met him he died a year and a half before i got to japan okay he was a uh oh you know he was another 1800s guy you Mm -hmm. know like the founder of aikido uh Toshitsugu Takamatsu his name was yep. and he liked the founder of Aikido was in China and you know had a lot of brushes where he was almost killed and uh retired and ran a little luncheonette you know, after the war wow. Okay, uh, down and he trained my teacher and you know uh probably I have to be honest um another person he's not a martial artist but uh who really influenced my life was uh the Dalai Lama.
0: Oh yeah. I read that you met him. That's cool.
1: Well, you know, actually I spent about 12 years as his personal security escort in wow. North America. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, just to spend time that kind of time with the Dalai Lama. I mean, he is a amazing individual, you know, mm-hmm. China invaded his country and they just did terrible thing. not just terrible things in the fifties and, uh, shameful and it's still going on, you know, but the Chinese just kind of ignore him cause he's like in his eighties now and they're just waiting for him to die. Right. And, uh, uh he's not in Tibet anymore. He's in India, but, okay. uh, things that I learned from him really changed me as a, as a person. Yeah. That's cool.
0: So in all your years of, of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that really just rises to the top? It's super important. You keep coming back to it.
1: Well, yeah, I think uh, I would say, you know, rise above, or I tell my my students, you know be above the fray, nice above the fray you know I mean this I think we are so polarized as a society now, and you know a lot of it is a result of little nobodies, everyday guys finally having a voice <laughs> on social media, yep, and you know, God. It's not another person you're arguing with. So you say all kinds of stuff and, uh, you know, everybody's arguing and fighting. And uh, so I often tell people, you know, you need to be above that. What do people really want? I mean, what are they really looking for? They're distracted with these political arguments or, you know, culture war arguments and so forth. But what are they really looking for underneath all of that? And how can you help them find that, you know, with like real authenticity to mm-hmm. be authentic as a human being. Yeah, you know, that would be some advice I would give. That's great. I love that.
0: I love that question. Cause I've never had the same answer from anybody for that one. So that's one oh. of my favorite questions.
1: <laughs> I like it.
0: All right. I got a few fun ones to wrap it up. Now th- these last few, you can't use any that you've been involved in. So a uh, favorite martial arts book.
1: Hmm. So you, you
0: write a lot. Do you also read them too? Or are you?
1: yeah i do i don't know uh, favorite martial art book I would maybe maybe say Musashi's book of five rings nice. just because it's so indecipherable you know <laughs> yep yep that's a good answer yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: that's actually i think uh, probably a third of my guests have probably mentioned that one that's that's a really good answer so
1: yeah i wonder how much they actually get out of it though, exactly. you know? <laughs> that's the thing
0: you could talk to 10 different people and have completely different explanations of what it's about so <laughs> yeah <laughs> is, yeah it's good so okay how about a favorite martial arts tv show oh gosh maybe a guilty maybe a guilty pleasure or
1: <laughs> i don't i don't think they're uh, probably the kung fu tv show okay that, uh, that was beautiful wasn't it a beautiful show yeah it was uh, uh, i
0: mean yeah, he, he uh, wasn't a martial artist but they did well they did well
1: <laughs> oh yeah no that was that was I and mean, they had a lot of real martial artists yeah you know playing the support roles and so forth but uh I think that was beautiful. You know, this humble monk drifting through trying to heal people, and, mm-hmm. you know, some wily cowboy take a swing at him and <laughs> he'd just knock him out. And uh, <laughs> maybe the, Kung Fu TV show.
0: That's good. Yeah. They cue the slow motion. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that was fun. And I like the philosophy in it too. That was really cool. So, all right. How about a favorite martial arts movie?
1: Hmm. You know, I missed a lot of those uh, old 80s ninja movies. And, yeah. Uh, I would be hard pressed to really think of a favorite martial art movie, you know, maybe something like uh hidden dragon crouching oh, tiger. Yeah, so, you know, that was great movie. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Final question. This one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just in general, a favorite movie fight scene. Is there one that just kind of jumps out at you?
1: Yeah, this is one nobody's going to get. Okay. But it was a movie called The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance. Oh, I love that movie. It was... Yeah. It was a, Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the very end where the uh, guy explains what really happened when Liberty Balance was about to kill this lawyer from the East. And uh, that just... Oh, I'm not explaining it. So if somebody yeah. wants to watch The Man Who shot Liberty Valance. Mm This is a nineteen sixties movie with John Wayne. John Wayne, yep. You know, Lee Marvin and Jimmy Stewart. Uh, it was great. Oh, I loved that. I mean, I that I that's one of my top three favorite movies. Nice. Uh of all time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll have to go back and rewatch that. I I was never a big John Wayne fan, but my dad was, so I watched a lot with him when I was young. (laughs) So I'll have to I'll have to go back and watch. One of the the few, I'm trying to think if that's, I do remember that one, that one jumps out for sure. And there's a, there's a few other ones I remember, but, uh, yeah. And I, and I'm a big Jimmy Stewart fan too. So, cause Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart yeah. played, uh, Charles Lindbergh and I grew up in Charles Lindbergh's hometown. So. <laughs> oh okay so yeah yeah okay. that's cool but no that's awesome that's really cool so before i let you go any anything else you anything you have coming up you want i mean i'll, I'll put links for all your stuff for your websites for your books anything i'll put with the show when i release it and anything you want to mention before i let you go
1: No, I think, uh, you know, I'm traveling around, but, uh, as I say, with the COVID thing started these, Mm -hmm. uh, zooms. So maybe put my, uh, website, Stephen and, uh, people can go there and find my email if they'd be interested in, uh, just talking with me or, uh definitely oh yeah Hearing oh. about me hearing about my way of doing things yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. great and that'd if
0: you ever great. ever come near uh, minnesota to any kind of seminar let me know it'd be it'd be fun to meet you in person so
1: oh that sounds great cool but that i sounds I, great i, I truly well, great. truly yeah i
0: appreciate your time so much it's been a blast hearing your stories i mean, just I, I love it what an amazing life you've
1: led <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> thanks so much brian
0: Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists and we'll see you next week.